0: Would you all pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. So when I was in high school, I was active in my church's youth group. Pastor, go figure. But each summer we traveled on a mission trip. And one summer we were working in a school uh, for about a week, and we were in a rural desert climate, and it was hot, really hot, the kind of hot that a Michigan boy can't really handle. And when we were... So we were performing light construction on this building. When it got to be about midday, we would break to escape the heat and grab lunch. So we were gathering our tools. And I jumped in the back of the pickup truck and began to uh, gather the tools as my friends would hand them to me and put them in the pickup truck. And as I was getting out of the back of the truck, I had a Laurel and Hardy moment where I stepped on a rake. And the rake came up and it hit me in in, in the face. And after the laughter subsided, it was not mine, trust me, Uh, my face began to swell. And my pastor decided that it was time to go and look for ice and get me to a doctor. Well, there was no ice to be found. So I was given a package of frozen cold cuts to hold on my face. And as my pastor took me to the downtown's doctor with salami on my forehead... It was determined that I was okay. My face was fine. They could do give me some medicine for the swelling, but it was hardly a consolation to know that I was going to be safe when I returned to my group of friends, our youth group, because I was embarrassed. And this is not the kind of moment that a 16 year old or really anybody embraces with much pride. I was embarrassed. A cold pack tied to my forehead around my friends. And my friend Mark recognized this, the emotion of this moment. And he knew the feeling. And so he went into the kitchen where we were staying, and he found a name tag, the kind that you wear temporarily at, at group, in group settings. Hi, my name is so-and-so. And he wrote on the name tag a word that gave me a different identity. He sat down next to me, put it on my shirt, and when I looked down, the name tag read, Strong. Changed the discourse of the moment, the emotion of the moment, with a single word, Strong. Now the words that we use and the way we use them can cultivate life. And the words... That we use can also diminish it. And the author of James is no stranger to this reality, and he names it clearly. We all stumble. The author uses metaphors to recognize the power words can have. Our words can be like a ship, strong winds that blow the ship around, and yet the ship relies on this small rudder the pilot seeking to steer its course our words can be like a forest on fire a flame difficult to contain or it can be like salt water when one needs fresh water and people who've been to the ocean who've gone swimming know that feeling when an unexpected wave takes you off guard a sting The taste of seawater can overwhelm a single breath. Words, James tells us, like that unexpected sting of salt water. The human mouth can bless and it can curse, James says. And all of us make mistakes, all of us stumble, he reminds us. It's a healthy dose of humility. And James is quick to point out that we are sinners. You'd think he was talking to Calvin and Luther. Sinners. But James also reminds us that we as people with our bodies, with our words, with our relationships can bear witness People to God's grace, grace can share grace. We help... Re- we... We can't help but reveal grace to others when they cannot see it. And the church nurtures people to bear God's grace in their lives. And James is signaling a reminder that the language that we use and the stories that we tell can do this. Preachers sometimes say, I will sometimes say, that we spend our lives preaching to ourselves and the congregation listens James in. James has this kind Friends of quality in these verses. It's, it's a moment of wisdom that seems to have been learned the hard way, that James seems to be sharing some self-knowledge, That knowing that this is wisdom that we all need, but he knows that he needs it. And we know these kinds of realities, right? We, we know the words that we wish we could have spoken or, or the words that we wish we could have taken back. We know words that have hurt us. We know the words that we've used to hurt others. It's wisdom, knowledge that we can all hold close. Words can lift people up, we know, and they can tear people down. And when children hear... Aphorisms like sticks and stones can break my bones and words that can it's never just hurt it's not me? true when a child comes to us in tears. The words can hurt, the names can hurt, they can cultivate life and they can diminish it. There's an old Irish tale that the poet David White tells. It's the story of a monk. And as he leaves his room to walk and go and pray he, to, to go for a walk he hears the bell that calls him to prayer and he says that is the most beautiful sound in the world and the monk continues on his walk and looks outside the door and sees a bird and hears it and says that is the most beautiful sound in the world And in the story, we are left wondering, does he return into the chapel and go for prayer? Or does he go out into the world and go for a walk? For in two different places he has heard the most beautiful sound. The story ends and we don't know which way the monk goes. But the truth behind the story is like the truth about words is like the truth behind this story, that the words we speak can go different directions, and whatever direction we can go, James is encouraging seek us the direction to of blessing, to seek the direction of grace, that in our place of deep faithfulness, our desire should be language that is like the most beautiful sound in the world. And we should remember that this is, a deci- this is a desire to respond to God's grace. And while too often, James, in, when people talk about the book of James, we, we reduce it to simple ethics, to a, a set of instructions for being nice people, for, for rules that we should follow in order to be dutiful Christians. It's good to remember that the message of James offers more than this. It's it's good to step back and remember that James is wisdom literature, that James is pointing to something deeper than simple rules to follow. James is inviting us, asking the reader to pursue the wisdom of God. And we have a chance to listen in on James's hard-earned wisdom. And it's wisdom for the church, it's wisdom for people of faith. And the James wisdom in our scripture this, this morning, God made people Genesis. In God's, we know that God calls people good. And God uses words and language and speech that affirms the value of human lives and human communities. Living together with one another and with God. And if we seek the wisdom of God, if we seek to pursue a path of faith, then our faith serves to reflect the word and the language and the speech of God, which might just be, for us, the most beautiful sound. It's not simply in the world. enough to av- avoid language that diminishes. The call James places in the lives of people of faith is, is not just to avoid, not just simply to do no wrong. When James invites the church to engage in a deeper, more mature, mature faith through these chapters that we're reading week after week through September, James is reminding us again and again of the in- invitation to love our neighbor as ourselves, echoing an invitation from the Gospel of Matthew, which is echoing an invitation from Leviticus. And this is a path toward wisdom. And perhaps we should be asking ourselves questions. Questions about the way we relate to our neighbors. Questions about the words we use. Does our language affirm the value and gifts of people around us? Does our language see justice for people who've been long silenced? Do our words offer mercy and peace and forgiveness? Do our words offer patience? Are they gentle? Do our words open doors to knowing something more than we knew before? Do our words hold ourselves and people accountable in healthy ways? Do our words hold our doubts together with our faith? Is our silence sacred? Or does our silence make us complicit to words that hurt others? Do the stories we tell unite people and welcome difference? Do the stories that we tell join in the story that God is telling. Padre Gotelma, spiritual leader for the Corimila community in Northern Ireland. And Corimila is a peacemaking and reconciliation community in Ireland that was born out of religious wars in, uh, in Ireland. And Padre wrote a book a book of daily prayer for the community. And, and in the, inter- the introduction of this book is simply marvelous. In it, Padraig explains that Corimila means lumpy crossing place. It's not a very attractive name for your community of reconciliation. Uh, he reflects on this particularly because when they named Corimila, they thought it meant hill of harmony. <laughs> and they were wrong and he's glad that they were wrong. He was, he's glad that they were wrong because he says that places of need are full of stones. A lot like what and James says. And at Corey Milo, They Milo, they, they, the practice of their community is to try and make art and shelter from the kinds of things that people stumble over, the things that diminish life the ideas that we struggle with our differences they seek to transform people so that they can explore what reconciliation can look like in a troubled world a healing world a changing world and padrig is talking about prayer in this introduction it's the focus of the book being a book of daily prayer But he might as well just be talking about all the words that we use in our daily lives. Particularly so when you get to the final sentences of this introduction. Padraig writes, so let us pick up the stones over which we stumble, friends, and build altars. Let us listen to the sound of breath in our bodies. Let us listen to the sounds of our own voices, of our own names, of our own fears. Let's claw ourselves out from the graves that we've dug and let's lick the earth from our fingers and let us look up and out and around because the world is big and wide and wild and wonderful and wicked and our lives are murky and magnificent and malleable and full, absolutely full of meaning. We We stumble stumble over words, over the things that we mean to say or how we say them. We stumble in our relationships with one another and with the God who loves us endlessly, but we can. We can, however, bring healing and reconciliation and life with the words that we use, and it begins by rooting ourselves in love, in the kind of love that James named in the first chapter, the love that comes from God that love that we know from God that allows us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And then our faith will reflect the word and the language and the mercy of God, which is among the most beautiful sounds we might ever hear. Today and always, may it be true for us. Amen.